Church, can I just tell you how exciting it has been over the last uh, half of a year as we have uh, launched our second campus in Vincennes, and uh, man, just been such a special thing to see a place that's now beginning to grow and to thrive in ministry, and to see that uh, the ministry is being pressed out amongst the kingdom, and um, as, as I've done that, I've had a lot of people ask me just that question. They're like, hey, how's it going? You're the campus pastor over there. How's it going in Vincennes? Can I just tell you this, the both of our locations? Thank you so much for what you're doing. It's been such a special thing to be a part of and uh, such a special thing to see so many people that have stepped out of their comfort zone. Uh, of you here in Washington, many of you guys that have said, you know what, we, we're going we're gonna to be praying for those folks, uh, some of you that, that sent your, your resources over that way, and uh, then the, the many that are there at our Vincent's campus that have taken on new roles and, and new ways to serve and minister, just an exciting time. God is doing some amazing work amongst his church. And uh, I, get to, I get to see a lot of it, and I just say thank you for all the, the things that you are doing as his body. It's awesome to partner with such great, great people. You know, uh, our staff uh, last week, a group of our staff, um, they headed off to uh, Paoli for what they call the Rugged Maniac. Um, okay, the Rugged Maniac is like obstacle course um, run, and they asked if I wanted to join them. We were celebrating one of our children's birthdays last weekend, so I kind of told them no for that reason. I kind of told them no because... You know, I didn't want to show anybody up, right? Yeah, so. Um, and uh, so they head out, and uh, they went out to Paoli Peaks. You know where Paoli Peaks is? It's a ski, skiing place. Um, and uh, they, were, uh, they were doing some obstacles that uh, left them not just uh, uh, not going down the hills, but going up the hills. So I was talking to Jared. Jared is the guy in the red, biting his metal. He was kind of the, the group leader. They got them all geared up to do this. And I said, Jared, how'd it go? How was, how was the, uh, the trip out to Paoli? And he goes, man, it was great other than the hills, right? Can you imagine uh, sprinting up those hills, right? He's like, man, I was doing my best. He said, I took off the first time. I'm, I'm about halfway up. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to start dragging my anvils behind me that are my legs. He's like, just, just really, really hard to go up, up the hill, right? Because it's, it's always hard to go upward. It's always hard to, to, level, to level up. You know, in the gospel of Matthew and in chapter 5, there is recorded for us what we, we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's in page 788 in the Bibles in front of you. It's the crux of our message this morning, so you might want to turn over there if you would like. And uh, as, as Jesus um, heads up this, this hill, he gets to the top and he sits down and he begins to teach a message. And for three chapters, there's this, this powerful content of a sermon shared by the, the Son of God. And as he does that, he lays out a, a very concise yet to the point message. It's challenging yet so very relevant for us today. As Jesus treks up the hill and he sits down and begins to teach his disciples, it's almost as if the hill had a subconscious meaning that day. Because if you were to sum up the Sermon on the Mount, I think you could sum it up like this. Level up right? Level up when it comes to following me. Level up in your character. Level up in your life. Level up in your faith. Level up in your spiritual journey. Now, for anybody that grew up in the 80s or 90s, 
Uh, you grew up um, with uh, some video games, and that term level up is synonymous with video games, isn't it? I, I remember my first video game system. It was the original Nintendo, $93 from Toys R Us, all right? I remember the price because my brother, who was two years older than me, was smart with his money and saved up. I spent my money at the gas station on Cokes and candy. So I'm like, you save up, and I'll play it when you buy it. And he did. He saved up, and he bought us a Nintendo. So I got the, the, reap the, the benefits. And uh, our favorite game to play was Super Mario Brothers. Now, if you know anything about Super Mario Brothers, the second level, head all the way to the right, up the elevator, down the bricks, and right, you head into the level warp, all right? Level warp is where you get to level up and go up. You can go up to three extra levels by going down the little tube, and here you are. You pop out, and you've, you've just skipped a few, few levels. Now, it's like some of you are like, what in the world is he talking about? He's talking about video games up here, right? right? For us to, to level up in a video game is one thing, right? It's one thing to, to level up in your credit card points. It's one thing to level up on your airline miles. Like, okay, I will take first class. I'm going to use some of my airline miles, right? But, but when Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount, when, he, when, it, comes to, when it comes to faith, when it comes with, to the journey with Christ, Totally, it's a totally different thing to, to level up. So what would it look like? What would it look like for you to level up in your, your journey? Now here's what I'm saying. Let's think for a moment about our lives like this, as this line on the screen. Now, right, we all have a beginning, far left, right? We all have a beginning, don't we? And we all have an, an ending, an expiration date, all right? We're all born, we come in kicking and screaming, and some of you are like, I'm going to go out kicking and screaming too, right? That's how it's going to work. And uh, so we have a, a beginning and an end. At some point in the journey, we encounter, we encounter Christ, all right? And so in that moment, we, for the first time, understand God's grace that is offered through Jesus and his death and resurrection. You've learned that God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you, to take on the punishment that you deserved and to give you a hope and a future. But, but here's the truth. We all come from different backgrounds, right? We all come from different places. We all come from different journeys. So, so guess what? We are all at different places in the journey of faith. For the sake of our conversation, I'm going to use four, um, four uh, verbs that are going to describe where you may be. Uh, the first is this. You may be in the exploring stage. Right? The, the exploring stage where you're exploring Christ, and with that often comes a lot of questions, right? It comes sometimes with, um, with some skepticism, maybe even some, some doubt when you're exploring Christ. But let me just tell you this. Around here, here at Bethany, we, we welcome that. We welcome both the believer and the doubter, and we want you to be here. And we want you to keep exploring, and we want you to, to keep seeking after the answers that you are looking for. Now, some of you are like, done my exploring, right? I, I've been exploring for years, and uh, I, I, I finally decided that I was going to trust, right? And you started trusting Jesus, and you began this stage that we're going to call the believing stage. 
This is often really an exciting time in faith, right? Maybe you gave your life to the Lord just a few months ago in the baptistry, and you've just been really hungry for God's Word. You're studying the Word regularly. You're finding yourself just, you know, as many things as you can get involved in. You maybe start serving. Maybe you joined a small group last week, and you're just, you're just hungry. You're like a sponge right now, right? You just can't fill yourself up enough, and you, you're just loving this experience that now you're having. But at some point or another, you go from believing to the growing stage, right? Now, some of you are in this phase, in this season. Growing's often full of ups and downs. And growing's often full of, of highs and lows. If the growing stage has taught me anything, it's taught me this. That there are days for me to raise my hands in joy and to praise God and to think about how blessed that I am. And there are days where I find myself in the valleys. Days where it's been hard and difficult and frustrating. And days where I find myself on my knees praying for God to give me what I need. This teaches me that, that it's a process. And growing reminds me that it takes time. And then there's this fourth phase. Maybe for you, you're like, you know what? I, I, I believed, I've grown, and now I'm just at this stage where I am fully devoted. And you say, you know, I, I learned long ago that, that the, yes, it is full of ups and downs, but the best thing I can do is just continue to yield to God's will. Now, I want you to look at this. And if you were to take an X and you were just to land it in somewhere on that line, where would your X be? Where would you find yourself in the journey? Would it be in exploring? Would you put your X in believing or growing? Might, might you say you're fully devoted? Either way, anyway, here at Bethany, it's our hope for you to recognize where you're at, but then it's our hope to help you move the X along the, the line, to say, I'm going to level up, because it is a, a journey. You caught that, right? You, you can't put your ex somewhere and just leave it there, right? It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You, you can't become stale or stagnant, right? You, you have to recognize that this is a journey and that you are meant to take steps along the journey to move and to level up. That's why I, I love what Jesus has to say as he closes out that, that sermon um, that we, we find in Matthew. It's actually in Matthew 7. We're going to be in verse 7. And um, as he, he challenges him to to level up. says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the doors will be opened to you. For, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You see, the simple truth is this. God is in the business of movement. From the moment he spoke earth into existence, God has been on the move. He's been on the move to get into a right relationship with his beloved creation, you. God wants to be in relationship with you. And God is in the business of fulfilling us when we seek after him. If you pursue God, he will not let your pursuit be in vain. Like this is not a journey of beating at the wind. This is not a journey of worthlessness. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. 
Knock and the doors will be open. Do something and what? And something will be done. It's the same in our daily life, right? I mean, doesn't it work like this, right? You, anything that's worth anything, right, takes work, right? You want to get into better physical fitness, right? You want to get into better shape. We're, we're all some sort of shape, right? And maybe you want, to, you want to slim down a little bit. So you decide, all right, I'm going, to, I'm going to do something about that. Guess what? You can't sit on the couch and keep eating potato chips all the time. Nothing changes, right? You've got to start to do something. So maybe you head out to the gym earlier in the morning. You spend some time there doing some cardio or lifting some weights. Maybe you begin to look at your caloric intake or how much sugar you're putting into your body and you begin to eat a little bit differently, right? You have to, you have to change some of your habits. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I want to get my financial house in order. Like, my finances are a mess and for you, it's just like you need to start thinking about your wealth in a different way. You need to start thinking about your finances in a different way. Maybe you need to take that Financial Peace University class and help Uh, you to to figure out how to tell your money where to go instead of your money telling you where to go. Maybe you want to get the promotion, right? Who doesn't want to get a promotion? Maybe you want to get the promotion, and that means you need to go back to school. Maybe that means you need to work some extra hours or get some extra training, right? Maybe you want that girl to notice you. Let's start with this. Take a shower, okay? Let's just start with take a shower. That'll be good, all right? Uh, maybe maybe you need, a, you need to verbalize, all right? She doesn't know what you don't tell her, okay? You've got to talk to her, right? You've you got you to do something. You see, when there is no pursuit, there is no progress. Look, I wish it could be like Super Mario. I wish we could head to the, the level warp. I wish you could put in a little cheat code. I wish that could help you move along the journey, but that's not how it works. It's not as simple as this. You see, oftentimes, though, we are just sitting on the sidelines, We've placed our X in one place, and we just kind of are going through the motions. And so we find ourselves stuck and stale and stagnant. So let me, for just the next 15 minutes or so, let me put on my hat and put on like my, my pretend whistle here. Let me be your spiritual coach, right? Because a coach helps you achieve your goals, right? And, and I told you that here at Bethany, well, as a minister myself, I, I want to help people recognize where their X is. I want to help move them along the journey. I want to help them level up. So let me be the coach for a moment, and let me start with this. Get your head in the game, all right? Get your head in the game. I'll never forget coaches grabbing me by the face mask as a football player, looking me in the eyes and saying, Nave, get your head in the game. And I'm thinking, my head's been in the game. I've just been beating it up against the guy across the line from me, right? I'm like, come on, coach. Why are you telling me that? He wasn't saying get your physical head in the game. He's saying get your, get your mind in the game. Right? You, you prepared well. You know what needs to be done. Now, now go out and do it. In Matthew 13, there is a, a couple parables that are shared with us. Two really short parables in verses uh, 44 through 46. I'm gonna, I want to read those to you. It says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had, everything he had, and he bought it. You see, these stories are simple messages. The treasure in the field was, was worth everything. So the man gave up everything 
He ran, he sold it all so he could buy the field, so he, he could have the treasure. Same with the pearl, right? It's of great value. I want that pearl. So he goes and he gives everything up so he can buy the pearl. You see, when you truly understand the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, it is worth everything. Because the kingdom of heaven is not boring, all right? The kingdom of heaven is not a bunch of people dressed in white with singing songs constantly for all of eternity. The kingdom of heaven is God's way and God's will fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven is God's, God's perfect way experienced by us. The kingdom of heaven is probably one of the great... It is. It is. Not one of. It is the very greatest adventure, and it's worth everything that we have. So when I say get your head in the game, I mean it's really not a game, is it? No, it's, it's a life. It's your life. And guess what? You only get one chance. You only get one of these lives. You only get one opportunity to come to know God. And God so desperately wants to reveal himself to you. So let's focus in. Let's get our, let's get our head in the game. Let's throw off the distractions and focus on the pursuit of God. You know, a few weeks back, my iPhone told me it was going to start giving me weekly updates on my usage in my device. Now I'm like, okay, I got the notice. Well, the week, the week later when it sent me the notice, I was about physically sick. I'm not even going to tell you how much time I spent on my phone every day. It was ridiculous. And I'm thinking... Oh my gosh, this is, just, this is just a phone. What about my television? What about the computer screen in the office? I mean, I am spending so much time in front of these devices. You see, I think we oftentimes say today that we are the busiest that we've ever been. But truth is, we are just the most distracted that we have ever been. And oftentimes, we waste our times on unimaginable things. But Job said our days are numbered. So let's use our days with a purpose. Let's get on this journey and let's start pursuing God, coming to know him in a more whole way. Second is this, put in the work, right? I mean, any good coach has said that before. You've got you to put in the work, right? He's yelled that as athletes because if you put in the work, well, guess what? The work will be rewarded. But can I be honest with you for a moment? I think the modern American church has done a little bit of a disservice to you. I mean, at some point through the years, we've done two things. We've taken the responsibility and we've tried to simplify spiritual growth. The church in the corporate terms has decided at some point along this pathway to say, it's our responsibility to take people from point A to point B. It's what we are supposed to do. Then as a part of that effort, they've tried to package spiritual growth in a really simple form. Uh, so they've, they've, in a sense, microwaved discipleship. Um, they've they've uh, tried to make it a, a fast food, one-stop shop. You come here, get this, and you're good to go. But that's, that's, not how it, that's not how it works. Let me just for a moment reprimand the American church in the corporate terms, and let me shift the weight of the responsibility back onto the appropriate shoulders. Look, Christ died for you. Christ gave up everything for you. He gave up everything, and he asked nothing less than for us to give up everything for him. And I know that's not always the popular thing to talk about, not always the easy thing to talk about, but you are responsible for your own spiritual growth, and following Jesus takes work. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let me, let me just swing back to those, those two words, come after. You know, in the original language, it means to follow or to wonder. That means like when you're in awe and wonder of something, to wonder after. It was oftentimes used in the context of a romantic relationship. Thus, when Jesus uses this term, come after, he is describing a type of pursuit, a type of wonder, a type of love. Now, some of you have done some pretty crazy things in the name of love. I want you to look at your spouse right now and say, I did some crazy things in the name of love. Go ahead, look at them. I did some crazy things in the name of love, didn't you, right? I, let me just tell you this. I was a college freshman when I met my wife, and uh, at the time, she was my friend, that's what I said, and uh, she was my friend for about a year, then we started dating. I'll never forget, she was a volleyball player, and uh, she'd had a, a workout, and she was complaining about how tired her legs were at dinner that night. We were in the, the dining hall, and I'm like, well, I'm not tired. I'm like, here, get on my shoulders. All right, so I put her on top of my shoulders, and I parade her around campus from the dining hall all the way back to the dormitories, and, uh, you know, she looks like a queen. Everybody's like, what is he doing? And I'm like, I'm showing her that I love her, and I get back, and I, I set her down. I'm like, there you go, babe. What I didn't tell her is that my arms were completely asleep by the time I got there. I was starting to see sparkles around the, the edges of my eyes, and I'm thinking, I, am I going to be able to stand up when I set her, set her down? But, man, I would do anything to show her that I loved her, right? That's what Meatloaf famously put it like that, right? I'll do anything for love, but what? But I won't do that. Well, you ever wonder what Meatloaf's that was, right? Like, no, I will not shut the toilet lid. I'm sorry, I'm just not even going to get there. No, I will not squeeze the toothpaste, right, from the edge. I'll squeeze it from the center. No, I'm not rubbing your feet. Nope, I'm not touching those things. Not happening, right? No, I will not sit down and watch football with you. That is the most boring sport I've ever seen, right? You see, I, I don't know what Neatlos won it was, but I know that we do a lot of crazy things in the name of love. And the love that your spouse has for you pales in comparison to the love Christ had for you. The love that Jesus gave for us on the cross. And we're called to match that love, to seek after him, to pursue him, and guess what? That takes work. Newton said it like this in his scientific laws, right? You learn this in like eighth grade science, right? First law, a body at rest will remain at rest. Third law is this, right? For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. You leave your ex where it's at and don't do anything about it, guess what? It's going to stay there. <laughs> you put some action to it, there's going to be a reaction. Something's going to happen. You see, where there is no move, moving, there is no movement, the third is this, lace them up. Now, all right, a coach always oftentimes would say lace them up when we were going out to face a team that was going to really put it to us, right? The coach never said lace them up when we were going to go out and run over the team. But if they were going to knock us in the mouth, it was like, you better strap up, boys. Lace them up. Here we go, right? Because he was saying it's going to be a difficult journey. If you want to get this win, it's going to take some work. It's gonna, it's gonna, they're going to they're gonna hit you in the mouth, in Romans chapter 5, um, this is the first passage of scripture I ever memorized as a young kid. And uh, man, it, it just speaks, I think, vividly to this idea. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. You know what that's saying is it's saying that 
That the salvation we've done not, is not, the salvation that we have is not done by the things that we, we do. It's not about our work, right? It's about the finished work of Christ. So we understand that, but that doesn't mean we don't put the work in. When you understand what Jesus has done for us, the, the gravity, we want, to just, we want to know why he loves us so much. We want to know this God that has done and given up everything for us. So we begin to give up everything for him. Then he goes on in verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. Time out. Preacher never told me I had to suffer when he called me down to make the decision of faith, right? He talked about joy and freedom and heaven and eternity. It all sounded nice and good. Nobody talked about suffering, did they? Nobody talked about the trials that would come your, your way. But the truth is, right, this world's going to throw some haymakers your way, isn't it? Cancer is going to try to scream at you, God can't. Disaster is going to look to demoralize you. Anxiety is going to try to alter the truth. Depression is going to disorient reality. Hurts will want to hang you up. And sorrow will oftentimes leave you unsettled. But catch the truth. Look back at verse, verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory. We take joy in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom has been given to us. You see, when you recognize the hell that this world throws at you is not the handiwork of God, things start to change. See, our God is a God of life. Our God is a God of hope. Sin is the thing that's wrecked this world, right? Sin is the thing that has brought about our, our problems. Sin is the th reason why we are paying a price. Jesus himself said it like this, in this world you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. God has not done those bad things to you. Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. Instead, he is using the chaos. And he is using the mess of this world to draw all men to him. And God can take cancer and he can create courage. And God can take anxiety and he can conceive assurance. God can turn depression into delight, hurt into healing. He can take sorrow and make it satisfaction. So what's that mean for you? It means change your mindset. Stop, stop looking at the difficulties that, that come your way. Stop thinking that this was God's doing, and instead lace them up. Know that the world is going to work to beat you down, but God will not let you down. As Romans 8 verse 31 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the final thing I want to say, remember I'm the coach right now, right? Got my whistle on, play like a champion. Now, if you know anything about anything, you know that Notre Dame football has a sign in their locker room. Even if you're not a Notre Dame fan, you probably know this, which, I don't know. I don't know how good they're going to be this year. Uh, but uh, play like a champion is the sign. It's at the bottom of the locker room of steps, and uh, the, the players have, for 30-plus years, they've slapped the same sign, play like a champion, right? Play like a champion. Now, now I want to encourage you this morning, as a follower of Christ, you can play like a champion. Why do I say that? I want you to hear from... First uh, Peter chapter 2, what it says. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions. 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, oftentimes, people read that, and they're like, man, there's a lot of Christian words in there, like Christianese as being you know, like royal priesthood, holy nation, all this stuff. Can I, can I just help you understand this for a moment? The priest was, was the, the only one in the Old Testament that could, could stand in the, the place where the presence of God was said to have dwelt, inside of the Holy of Holies. And they tied a, a rope to his foot. Just in case he dropped dead, they could drag his body out of that because nobody else was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. But then Jesus comes along. Jesus lives a sinless life, and he dies on the cross. And in the Scriptures, it says that the temple curtain, the place that separated the Holy of Holies, where the priest was the only one allowed to go in, right, that it tore from top to bottom. And what it was saying in that moment was, now God can can not only be in our presence, not only can we be in God's presence, but, but guess what? He's actually going to reside within us through the Holy Spirit. Man, this is not just some sort of silly saying. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possessions. You can play like a champion because in Christ, that's exactly what you are. First Peter chapter 2, it continues on saying this. He himself, Jesus, right? He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Live. What's it really mean to, to live? That we might pursue God with all that we have. That we might truly seek after him and progress forward because when we... When we start to pursue him, we want to know more about him. And then as we come to know more about him, we continue to want to know more about him. You know, this sign hangs, it hangs in my living room uh, just, just before I head out the front door. Um, it says, uh, grace changes everything. That's a great sign to have because it reminds me on a very practical level that I have to be full of grace. Um, that uh, when you deal with people, uh, people are messy, people are frustrating. Um, and I've had to learn through the years that I better be willing to uh, lay down my pride, show some grace to others. And it's great in a practical sense, but in regard to eternity, it's even greater. Because when you truly understand that the God of this universe sent his one and only son to you, that Jesus came to die for you, and grace changes everything about you. Your life will then become a, a journey. And you recognize that I'm not going to progress forward without pursuit. And you just simply want to come to know the God that gave up everything for you by giving up everything for him. You want to, to level up. So it first starts with knowing God, and it continues one step at a time.